and not have enough time for what I'm about to share to you with you. So I've got to start talking fast, all right? Thank you, Jesus, that you're already speaking in this place. We would be helpless without the voice of God in this place. Oh, okay, so I'm going to hop right in, listen fast, because I'm going to talk fast, all right? Um, we have been in a series, in and out of a series, that I've been calling Come to Your Senses, and really what that's about is us leaning into the fact that just as you were uniquely wired and physically wired to navigate and experience our world uh, largely through our five senses, sight, hearing, taste, touch, smell, uh, in the same way God has wired us to be able to participate with him and experience him um, in our holistic being. And so our awareness of him grows. And so that when we walk out of this place, when we go home, when we get to work tomorrow, that we are learning to be people and growing as people that are always looking for an opportunity to experience more of him. Is there anybody in this room that wants to experience more of the Father in this place? And that's what we're talking about. And so uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about sight and, and, and scripturally and biblically how important it is that we don't just see with our eyes, but even Paul prays for the Ephesians that the eyes of our heart would be opened up to see the possibilities of his power and his calling in our lives. Last week, we talked about taste, and it's probably the first sermon you've ever heard on taste, but the scripture invites us to taste and see that he is good, that taste is all about the goodness of God. Sight is all about possibility. Possibility. Taste is all about goodness. And we get to learn as we taste the goodness of God to live lives of good taste. We want to be a people of good taste, yeah? That in our living, our living is seasoned with such kindness and such patience and such goodness that everybody looking in is saying, wow, those people just taste really good, right? Like they are just the saltiest, sweetest, you know, whatever. That, that, just that, the way of living, I can almost taste the goodness of God through how they are living their lives. That's what I want for myself. I think that's what you guys want for yourselves. This week we're talking about hearing, all right? We're talking about hearing. And if there's one sense of the Bible, probably talks the most about, along with sight, it would be hearing, okay? It would be hearing. And, and it's, when we start talking about hearing, it's, it's something we talk about quite a bit in, in this particular setting and in our conversations with each other about hearing the voice of God. I guess most people in this room have never heard the audible voice of God, though I wouldn't put that past you. I'm sure some of you have heard the voice of God so close that it was like a person in the room was talking to you. But I would say probably most of us have heard an impression, a whisper that was a still small voice that we experienced deep in our inner being. Some of you, maybe that's been a really long time. If you're honest with yourself, it's been a long time and it's been silent. Some of you may be in this room, you'd say, man, I, I, I don't think I've, I've never experienced God like that. And that's why we're talking about it today. Because I believe that his intention for you and I in this place is to hear the sweet whisper of our Heavenly Father. Jesus said, to his disciples in John 10, 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Isn't it good to hear the voice of the good shepherd? That is what we're called to. If, if following Jesus is boiled down to one thing, it's knowing his voice. He is the good shepherd. And guess what? He knows you. He knows you by name and we gladly follow him. And so as we've explored in the last several weeks, there's a particular passage where Jesus looks over to his disciples and he says, hey, listen, the crowd's over here. The reason I'm speaking in parables is because they have eyes on their heads, but they have no idea. They're completely blind to anything I'm doing. 
They have ears on the sides of their heads, but they are deaf. They can't hear with the hearts. They hear the words coming out of my mouth. They just can't quite make sense of them. And so he starts talking in parables in which, you know, we've explored that a little bit, but it's interesting we start asking that question, what is a parable? Why did Jesus start speaking in parables? What was he getting at? Uh, I found a video that answers that question very well. Let's take a look here. Parables. Huh. Where to start? I got it. Two Texans walk into a saloon. No, that doesn't work. It's more of a joke. Parables. What are they? Spiritual lessons? Not completely. Metaphors? Well, kind of. Mind games? Close, but not really. Stories with deeper meanings? Nah. Vantage points? Perspectives? Clever illustrations? Sort of, kind of? No. Riddles? Huh. So I was going to St. Ives. I met a man with seven wives. He's what? Nah. Well, it's closer, but it still ain't the whole enchilada. The dictionary calls them simple stories used to illustrate a moral spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the Gospels. Well, that's wrong. But maybe I should be asking a different question altogether. Maybe we don't need to define what a parable is as much as discover why Jesus used them. So, put on your Sunday school hats and let's take a time rocket back to when Jesus walked the earth, shall we? Nice. Now put down your double espresso chai latte, sit up in your chair, and try to keep up with me if you can. Let's peek into Matthew and get a brief history of chapters 3 through 12. And when I say brief, I mean brief. John baptizes Jesus, the dove descends, his ministry begins, he's taken up a mountain, tempted by Satan, and he chooses his disciples. Here begins the amazing teaching chapters. Pretty clear, pretty straightforward, the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, watch out for false prophets, don't worry, go through the narrow gate, build your house on the rock, pray for your enemies, deep stuff, mind-boggling teaching. Now, enter the Pharisees. Testing Jesus, hoping to trip him up, fearing him. Moving forward, Jesus hangs out with his disciples. He gives them power to do great wonders. He tells people to take his yoke, for it's easy and his burden is light. And this slams us full speed right into the heart of chapter 12. The beginning of the day, the Pharisees attack Jesus for picking grain and feeding the disciples. Next, Jesus goes to the synagogue and heals a man, and the Pharisees don't like that either. And then he frees a demon-possessed man, and this really ticks him off. But here's where it all gets out of control. The Pharisees cross a line, a line that they never should have, by saying that Jesus cast out the demon through the power of Beelzebub. They actually ascribe the power of the Holy Spirit to the power of the devil, and that's a no-no, people, and that's where everything changes. Soon beginneth the parable speak. The straight, clear, and amazing teaching of Jesus switches to talking in parables. As a matter of fact, Matthew tells us that once he starts speaking in parables, that he doesn't say anything to them without using a parable. You don't believe me? Read it for yourself in Matthew chapter 13. But you find the verse. This isn't a sit back and have everything spoon-fed to you, church. you got to bench-press the word every now and then, people, okay? Anyway, the point is he switched gears. He changed tactics. He kicked the Porsche in the fifth, if you know what I mean. You want to know why? Of course you do. That's why you're here. Part of it's prophecy. Psalm 78.2 says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things. Interesting. Hidden things. Parables. Already they're different than we first expected. Hey, the disciples asked Jesus why he spoke in parables. parables? Here's what he said. I'll put it in red so you know it's authentic. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Sound strange? Sound like double talk? Well, it ain't. It's the kicker. You get truth and you handle it right, you get more. You get truth and you reject it, even what you have is yanked away. So back to the happy lesson. What did most of the people, including the Pharisees, do with the clear truth of what Jesus taught and the miracles they saw with their own eyes. Remember, you hear teaching, you see miracles. That'll make sense in a second, I promise. Now, just when you thought it was safe to tell stories, Jesus hurls this one at him. And this settles the perplexing parable problem permanently, people. This is why I speak to them in parables, he says. Though seeing, they do not see, and hearing, they do not understand. That's Isaiah 6, folks. Words which don't conjure up colorful Pixarian visuals, if you know what I mean. The point is, the hearts of the people became calloused. They hardly hear with their ears anymore, and they have closed their eyes. And there it is, harsh stuff. They heard Jesus, but didn't really pay attention. They saw his miracles and closed their eyes. They didn't believe. And now, instead of the simple, straightforward teaching of chapters 3 through 12, what the crowds get are parables. 
Maybe so that those who are led by the Spirit will understand and those who aren't won't. Those who seek will find. Hmm. Perhaps Jesus is no longer casting pearls before swine. I don't know. Perhaps it's grace because if they understood and rejected him, it would be far worse than if they didn't understand at all. Then again, it could just be an ancient game of Scrabble and Jesus just placed an X on the triple letter, triple word score and the Pharisees are reaching in the black bag of legalism hoping to find a blank just to stay in the game. Who knows? You read. You decide. Whatever's going on, we've discovered parables are a lot more than meets the eye. But perhaps the most important statement is crystal clear right there in the text for all of us to see right there in Matthew 13, 9. He who has ears, let him hear. Yeah, come on. So I think one of the, the fascinating insights that he brings to the table in this video is as Jesus begins to speak in parables, we learn that anytime Jesus spoke, he wasn't interested in tickling people's ears. He wasn't interested in just giving them another right answer to store in their brains. He was wanting to speak to the spirits. And so when he would speak in parables, he would utter hidden things, as we just read. And he would not use parables to explain himself, but to actually hide things. And so that people who were born of the Spirit would hear him, and those who weren't born of the Spirit would be deaf to everything he said, which is a very interesting thing. But what we're not talking about, Jesus was not speaking to Christians versus non-Christians, all right? He wasn't speaking to religious people versus irreligious people. What he was reserving his teaching for was anybody who had a heart that was open enough, uh, open enough for the word of truth to be, to be planted in fertile soil, regardless of whether you're a great church-going Christian or not. He says, he says my, my sheep uh, know my voice, all right? He said, we know his voice, all right? And so uh, that means that when we read the Gospels, we see Jesus spending an awful lot of time with sinners, the sick, the guilty, and the second best. Why? They all have something in common. They have all got to the point where they've realized that they don't really have any other options. They've got to the point where they have nothing else to fall back on. They have no other options. They are hungry for the word of truth. The soil in their heart is ready to hear what he has to say. They're not just looking for another right answer. They're, working, they're looking for words of life. And when Jesus speaks, that is the heart that he will speak to. You guys with me here today? So here's how he says in Matthew 13, <clears throat> verse 18. He's explaining, this is the explanation of the parable of the sower and the seed where the farmer throws seed out onto four different types of soil. And here's what he says, verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is what we're talking about. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another case sixty, and in another thirty. And so when we start talking about growing in our ability to hear what God is saying, we can't get too far without without talking about the condition of our heart. See, Jesus isn't he isn't interested in, in just talking to people. He wants to talk to hearts that are ready and receptive 
And the thing is, what this parable teaches is, is this. When Jesus starts talking, the heart that he is, he is ready to talk to is the one that has been tender, the one that has been soft, and the one that has been broken up. He is interested in finding hearts that are tender enough to sow seeds into to bear fruit. Now, some of you here today, you came in this room this morning, and even right now, you're thinking, that's, that's wonderful. I'd love to hear the voice of God more in my life, but my life is a mess. And some of you came in here with that thought. You came in here like, I, I woke up struggling today, just like I woke up struggling yesterday, and I'm guessing that I'm going to struggle tomorrow, and if maybe I can just keep my stuff together, get my life together, then maybe I can do what you're saying, pastor. I can, I can hear more of the voice of God, but I'm just trying to keep things together. And I have the feeling that some of you came in here today looking at your life, and you've already, in one essence, made the decision that the reason you haven't heard the voice of God is because your life is a mess. But let me just suggest to you that maybe if that's where you're at, if maybe you're at a place where you've run out of options, that you're maybe, maybe the closest you've ever been to being ripe enough to hear the sweet voice and whisper of the Father in your life, you are ripe for a breakthrough in your life this morning. Come on, it's a good place when you run out of options. Anybody with me on that? (laughs) Anybody just thankful that you don't have it together all the time? It sounds like Jesus is really interested in that person. There's a magnetic quality to hearts that, that have just been so tender and broken over time. I'm not saying you have to go through horrible situations to keep your heart tender, but that is what we're talking about is staying in a place where we're soft enough that God, when you're speaking, I know what to do with it. I'm going to plant it and hide it in my heart to bear fruit to bear fruit. That's what we want to be, fruit-bearing people, yeah? And so that's why hearing is such a big deal, guys. And that's why the writer of Hebrews admonishes the people in this letter. And it's it's like a rebuke. It has to do with the way they're hearing. In Hebrews chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, turn there. In verse 11, this is what it says. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So the writer saying, listen, don't let your hearing become dull. And I think what he's making a differentiation between is hearing versus listening. Anybody who's married knows the difference between hearing and listening, right? Come on. I'm, I, this is like the worst part of like, this is the thorn in my side, right? Like, as I just hear things, I'm just like, I have no idea. Like, I, I get in trouble for this sometimes, right? We are good at hearing, but not listening all the time. And, there's, and, and the writer's saying, listen, you have to grow in discernment. Hearing, you can hear whatever. You're hearing noises around the room right now, but listening involves an intentional decision to process what you're hearing. And in the spiritual context, to ask the Lord to reveal to you what he is actually saying, right? And um, this is so important for us, okay? This is so important for us because you, we get to hear from a lot of people in this house. When you leave uh, the service today, you're going to be getting into some conversations, you're going to get in some chit-chat, and you're going to be talking about your week. And what we have to learn to grow in 
uh, not only as we read the word, but as we're in conversation with each other, to get beyond what your mouth is saying and listen with my heart to what the Lord is doing in your life. When we teach up here, when we preach, when we bring in guest speakers, when we invite people to share testimonies, when you have stories surface and, and we have the opportunity to let people talk, we have to get better. Listen, listen, we have to get better at not just listening for good content, but listening for what each person carries in the spirit. So when somebody comes in with a word from God, you're not just looking for their, their clever three points and a funny joke, right? And you're walking out of the service with those things. You're asking God, God, what is it? What is the story? What are you doing in this person's life that is leaking out of their hearts that you want me to have to plant into my soil to bear fruit today? And I'm not just talking about preachers. I'm not talking about doing that with people on stage. I'm talking about doing that with each other. We got to get better. At the, I, I'm, 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 I'm preaching it myself, right? The best sermons come when preachers are preaching to themselves. I'm preaching to myself today. I'm saying, together, we're learning to discern what God is doing. We're learning to not just be hearers, but to be listeners, to understand what it is he's speaking in our lives, to understand the testimony of his glory as it's arising in each one of us. Do you guys know that anybody, everybody, not everybody that's good at talking and good at communicating always has, actually has something to say right? But there's also people who have something to say. There's a story. There's something that has been worked out in their life. They don't know, always know how to say it really well. And we have to treat each other the same way. Just because somebody talks well doesn't mean they always have a substance inside of them. And others have so much substance inside them, we have to pull it out of them. We have to hear what God is doing in their story. Are you guys with me here today? All right. And this is something that we're doing, we're growing in. Again, this is, this is about knowing the good shepherd. But this also becomes our gift. Our gift to the people we live with, our gift to the people we work with. This is our gift when we can, when we can continue to grow in what we're hearing from the Lord and invite people into his voice, invite people to hear what the Lord is saying. Here's how Paul says it to the Romans in Romans 10. He says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So, faith comes from what? Say it again. Faith comes from? And hearing through the word of Christ. So if we were going to boil this down, what is hearing all about when it comes to our participation in the kingdom? Hearing has everything to, has everything to do with faith and belief. You are in this room here today probably because you heard of some good news that got you in this place to sing loud or to spread your arms wide. You heard something. Some of you were invited into this place because you heard something. We, some, some of us need to hear what the Lord is saying, and invite others into that. We had an opportunity, Megan and I, over Christmas to get to know some recent friends of ours, and we took them out to dinner and here just catching up, talking to them. And in the middle of the conversation, our friend, she was talking about how hard it has been to live with her her family, because they haven't been very supportive of her. You know, she's made some decisions that weren't the most ideal decisions, and she's feeling the weight of that as a mother and as a parent. She's already feeling like, man, I, I've, I've made some decisions and maybe I'm, 
I, maybe I've just missed the mark and I'm, I'm already feeling embarrassed. But on top of that, her, her family is not reinforcing a good message. They're reminding her of mistakes that she's made. And they've told her that they don't believe that she's a good mother. And I felt in that moment, as she was sharing this, and you could tell the compassion as she was sharing this, you could tell that this was working at her, which is an indication to me that she is a good mother. And I felt the Lord say to me, she needs to hear this distinctly, definitively, concretely. She needs this spoken into her eyes. And so I just felt that the Lord said, tell her she's a good mother. So I looked at her across the table and I said, hey, look at me. I was like, I need you to hear me on this. You are a good mother. And it was like those words is when the Lord speaks something to our hearts. When you hear the voice of the Father, the voice of the Father is the only voice that knows how to unlock something deep inside. And something was unlocked in that moment. You could just tell because she just automatically just tears started streaming. She had never heard those words before. And I looked at her again, and I'm not saying that I was anything special in this moment, in this. All I'm saying is I'm asking God, what is it that you want to speak? And so I said it to her again. I said, listen, you, just listen to me. Look into my eyes. You are a good mother. And it's just, again, it's just, it was like this, the presence of God just kind of resting in that moment, in that conversation. It was a very simple thing, but come on, who is going to hear those words unless you speak them out, unless there's a group of people, unless there's a church that knows the voice of the good shepherd, unless we become people who are in, intimately knowledgeable about his voice and his heart on the behalf of the world. Certain people need to know the voice of the Father, and how are they going to hear it unless you have an opportunity to speak it into their hearts? That is what we're called to do. Only his voice knows how to unlock hearts. And that's why, again, many of us are here. At some point, you heard something with your own ears. You can think through that. At some point, the good news showed up. The gospel of Jesus Christ. At some point, the Father spoke something into your heart, which is exactly what you needed to nourish your heart. Some of you are, are, he's speaking to you right now. He's speaking to you this morning. Some of you, he's just waiting for you to listen. But we're in this place, and, and some of you, it's why you worship the way you do, why you're a little crazy sometimes, and why you sing a little bit louder than the person next to you, and why you can't get your hands just stretched wide enough as we're singing, and why you, you get this little jig going to the, to the music with your feet is because you heard something with your ears, and all you're doing is responding, and everybody else looking at you thinking, you're a little crazy, but guess what? They haven't heard what you heard. See, when... <laughs> When you hear good news, you don't, you, don't, you don't need the approval of men. You just respond to what's in your heart. Like, I, I, I don't care because I've heard news that is so good, it has to be true. It has to be true because I got nothing else. I've run out of options here. This good news is all I got. And I am giving my life to him because he's given his life to me. He's spoken to me and I've heard it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to everybody. I was talking to a friend a while back. He said he went to a trade show in Denver one time a couple years ago. It's a convention center, and there's all these exhibits and all these trade show exhibits. And he's walking down the aisle and all these different displays, and he comes across this one trade show exhibit for like wireless headphones or something like that, some kind of tech trade show. And, and this particular exhibit, they, sit, they assembled a dance floor 
out in front of the exhibit, and they invited people to come and try out the headphones, go put the headphones on, and, to, and, and listen to the music. Hey, and if you feel moved, why don't you dance a little bit, right? And so all these people started putting on headphones, and, and he walks by, and he just sees all these people on the, on the dance floor, you know, just doing this thing. I'm sorry, that's how I dance. I don't know. I apologize for that. <laughs> you can just erase that from your memory. And so, you know, they put on these headphones. As soon as they hear the melody and the beat and the rhythm, all of a sudden, you know, they're just like, oh, yeah, let's do this, right? But for everybody else in the convention center, you're walking by and you're looking at these guys like, you know, you, all you hear is the chatter and the ambience of whatever else is happening on in this convention center. But they're looking on and these people look dumb, but goes to show you that dancing looks foolish to those who do not hear the music. Come on, are we preaching? Yeah. Dancing looks a little silly to those who cannot hear the music. And our job is to not rebuke people for not hearing. Our job is to invite them into the song. Say, hey, there's, a, there's something happening here. There's a song. There's a voice. He has something he wants to say to you. He has, the Lord has something he wants to sing to you. He wants to impart to your heart. And I, you don't have to get weird about it. You just have to say it confidently and say, this is what I believe God is wanting to say to you. It involves us being born-again people of the Spirit, listening. Listening, not just hearing, but understanding, planting it in the soil of our lives, and then being people who are able to announce it gladly the good news of Jesus Christ. I've found every day I see this even more, that most of us need way more encouragement than we ever let on. The people that you're going to ride home in a car with today probably need way more encouragement in their life than they'll ever tell you. The people that you work with the same way. I need that. You need that. We have to learn to hear so we can be ones who speak. Yeah? All right, what time is it? All right, I'm gonna, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. I'm going to invite Sir Dave Wilton up to the stage here today. You guys want to welcome Dave with me here this morning? <laughs> and um, uh, my friend Dave, I think we have a microphone maybe down front. Maybe you can pull it over here. Yeah. Um, Dave is a dear friend of mine, Dave and Allie, and their whole family. Just wonderful, um, a wonderful family. They're part of our Vine Life Fellowship here. And uh, it's just been awesome getting to know Dave's story the last several years. And I just wanted him to share a few things from his story with you here today. I think this is going to bless you. Um, Dave, if you don't know, he's a music producer. Um, he, he mixes, he produces albums for artists, both Christian, non-Christian, all across the board. Um, just a little point of recognition. If anybody's ever seen a Twilight movie, don't raise your hand because we're going to judge you, okay? Um, if you've ever seen a, a Twilight movie, uh, the Breaking Dawn Part 2, Dave had one of the, uh, his was one of the songs on the soundtrack picked over, one of the first songs picked over hundreds of thousands of songs, I believe. And, uh, and so he's, he's had tons of unique opportunities to be a point of reference within uh, this particular sphere of culture, the entertainment, the music culture. And and we're deeply grateful for him. But I, I want him to just share a little bit about his story. And in particular, we'll get to in a second, um, uh, a cool opportunity he had recently. But Dave, why don't you just help them get to know you a bit? Good morning. It's good to be here. Um, so 
as we're talking about hearing and about listening, I, I heard um, the voice of Jesus uh, first when I was 17, and I responded by surrendering my life to him in joy. You know, um, that moment, I didn't know what to, what to do other than to pursue him. And in that pursuit, I, went, I thought being a, a new believer Going to Bible school was a good route to go. And um, I went, and it was during Bible school where the Lord spoke to me and, and told me my calling. And my calling, he said, was to, to serve and equip artists and to love them. Um, and so I knew nothing about uh, sound or frequencies or uh, really music or music theory, but I, I knew the Lord. And if he had called me to it, I was like, God, right, let's do it. And, um, and so that started me on a, just a really fun uh, journey of learning as much as I could about sound and about how music works. But all that were just tools to really get to the, tr- the essence of what I, the joy of what I get to do is to, to see and hear the sound of God in people. Um, I do believe we're created in God's image so much so. And when I hear my children sing, there's a little bit of my voice that comes out and it yeah. scares me and it's beautiful. And, um, and that's, God put that in all of us. And so for the last 10 years, I've had the joy of just um, working with and blessing and doing my best to serve and equip musicians and bands that God would bring in my path um, and give them, help them find the sound that God gave them and created them to have. Um, about two years ago, the Lord uh, spoke to me again and, and said, Son, I, I'd love to hear your sound now. I'd love for you to make music for me. And I was, I was very excited about that. And so um, I had the, the chance to make my own music. And, and, uh, and I did. And some of that music, it's just I've been more than encouraged. I'm like, it's, it's a story, like what Luke said, things that happen, a song that would, the Lord would give me would go out and the sounds that God would give me would go out and, and bless people and reveal Jesus to, to a lot of people. Um, and some of those songs, you know, whether, whether it's Loud Harp, which is a worship band that I'm in with my best friend Asher, to see um, those songs bless the church has been a a wonderful blessing to my heart. So, that, and me and my family—that's what we do. We uh, we love on artists, and I help equip them with recordings, and I get to spend a lot of time with those people. So, uh, many of you have heard Loud Heart lead worship here before, and Dave is one of those guys. And his uh, his personal music is uh, a boy in a sky, um, and you guys should check out both of those uh, records. And so, they've been working on a new Loud Heart record that you guys are in the middle of. And uh, or you're you're about to finish here, and uh, you were sharing me with this story. I'd love for you to share with them. You had the really unique opportunity to to travel to France just for a next step in your career. You want to share with them about that? Totally. Um, if there's any tradesmen and uh, crafts or artists out there, you may resonate 
there's moments where you hear something or you see something or you imagine something and you're not quite able to achieve it. Uh, I'm pretty much self-taught when it comes to music and mixing. Um, and so I saw this uh, flyer, this video of this seminar that was being held in France by one of my favorite and I would say the, the most influential uh, mixing engineer in the world, the history of recorded music. His name's Michael Brower. For the last 30 years, the songs that he has touched have kept going from Aretha Franklin to today. Like the sounds that he is able to touch resonate with people. And um, I saw this and I was at a place in my career of just hearing sounds the Lord would give me and unable to achieve them. And that's a frustrating place to be. Um, but it's also a place of the Holy Spirit is an awesome teacher, um, wonderful teacher, and been teaching me all these things. Uh, but I was to the place where my prayers became very specific. God, give me a teacher that I can spend time with, that can mentor me. And so, long story short, I applied to this uh, specialized training in the south of France. Uh, it was a worldwide thing, and Michael picked me. I was one of 15 people uh, across the world and uh, who got to spend seven full days uh, being mentored and being taught kind of sonic mysteries and um, philosophy on how to get music into people's ears and into people's hearts by one of the men that's done it the best over the last 30 years. And so that was an incredible joy. Um, but yeah. the coolest thing about that was um, there was people all over the world, you know, South Africans, Germans, uh, Belgians, like everywhere from the world, and they all were incredibly gifted. Uh, but I quickly became friends with one of the, um, I don't know if he's like, He's a very sought-after, if not the most sought-after, um, mixing and engineer and producer in Israel. And his name was Zahar. And uh, we, we became friends because I don't eat pork, and I eat kind of kosher most of the times, and so we would sit together and everyone made fun of us. But um, a part of this thing of going to France and being with Michael is that we got to bring some of our own sounds and let him touch it, let him work at it and give us insights on how to best achieve what we're going for. So I brought a new loud harp song. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite psalms of David, Psalm 27. Uh, it's a psalm of just crying out, uh, a song of returning to the Lord, on waiting on the Lord, uh, a song of God hearing us, you know, um, and responding. And so I, we started, and me and Michael are at the mixing console, and it's not going so well. The song wasn't in very good shape. It was my troubled child on the record. Uh, I brought it because I didn't know what to do with it, um, but I knew the heart behind it was very important. And sure enough, 30 minutes into a mix, everyone gets quiet, you know, and something's different about this song than the best mixing engineers everywhere else in the world, you know. They all get quiet and they're listening. And uh, it just was a, a wonderful moment over the, like that hour of watching him do, do his thing, but then everyone connecting to the heart. They had to hear it. They were forced. They were in the room. And so they started responding. At the end of the song, Zahir came up to me, weeping, like, 
tears in his eyes. In broken English, he was hitting his heart. And he's like, I know this sound. I know this sound. And uh, I looked at him and I was like, man, you do. Like that is, that is a cry, that is a prayer and a song of your people toward you, God. And that is a cry and a prayer and a song of my heart to my God. And uh, I, we just embraced. He hugged me and I was like, brother, this is a psalm of David. And, um, and we just connected. And a few days later, we were having our, our closing meal together. Um, and we sat next to one another and enjoying each other's company. And he just, he looked at me um, very uh, serious, you know. And he said, David, the men here are good men. He's like, but you, you were whole and you were complete. And I just looked at him and I was like, brother, like, you're whole and complete, thanks. You know, and he's like, no. He's like, you were connected to the source. And I was like, Zahar, like, you know the source. Like, you're connected to the source as well. And he says, but I do not have the light that's in you. And that all started by hearing the word of God, the sound of God, the sound of his song over his people. And, um, and that's, so how cool I go to the other side of the, to go to France to learn and to be equipped. And the Lord also allows that to happen. You know? Come on. <laughs> I just love, I just I love how the Lord invites us to participate in in what He's doing. He doesn't ask us to sit on the sidelines. He says, "I want you to be a part of this with us." I just I'm so appreciative for Dave. I think all of us, you know, God is He's inviting us to hear what He's saying, so that we can invite others into what He's saying, so we can proclaim, so we can announce, so we can display His goodness in new ways, and so. We're, we're at the end of our time here this morning, but I just didn't want to miss an opportunity as Dave was sharing. And I think you guys, like I said, you guys can hear his heart, yeah? You hear his heart. Even beneath the words, you hear his heart, what's going on. And so uh, let's, let's end our time like this today. If you're in this place here this morning and you want to accept God's invitation, maybe you're in this place and, and you're asking God to speak to your heart in a way he hasn't in some time or maybe a way that you haven't heard in some time. If that's you or you're in a place where you want to be one that hears his heart so that you can be an agent of his kingdom in every step you take, I want to ask you to stand in this place. Would you join me in this place if that's you here today? And we're going to ask, I'm going to ask Dave to just pray over us, to pray over our hearing, to pray over our understanding, to pray over our discernment so we can participate in the Jesus life here now. Father, we thank you for your love and that you speak to us, that your voice is, it penetrates the sound of this world and it reaches us, it reaches our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that as we turn our eyes upon you, that the sounds of this world grow faintly dim and the sounds of heaven start getting turned up and start getting amplified and things that once were still and quiet and inaudible become 
louder and louder, Lord. And so, Father, today in this place, I just ask that the sounds from that flow from your heart, that flow from heaven, would come and minister to all of us in places where, where you're needing and asking of us to, to resound the sound of joy. Father, I ask that you sing joy over their lives so that all everyone around them would be affected and confronted by your love and your joy. Father, I ask that the sound of peace would be let loose and free in this place so that people who live in loud and uh, cluttered and um, distracting rhythms right now would be able to usher in your rest to those around them. Father, allow that sound, that rest, that peace minister to not only them but the people around them that desperately need it so father we just we praise you we thank you that you're the author of all melodies and all rhythm and we gladly lord offer up our melodies and our rhythm and our sound to give you glory and to give you praise and all this in jesus name amen